Hello, everybody. Kyle here. You're listening to the Chaos and Shadow podcast, and I am joined today by my co-host, Pagan. Pagan, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Super duper well. We've been chit-chatting already for a long time today. We recorded an episode for our members, the website. So if you're a Revelator Podcast Network member, you got a whole hour of us talking about super strange stuff, which is why... We might sound like we're out of our minds today. Uh, We're talking about the Boggy Creek Monster. We're continuing our relaxed fit summer episodes. It's over 100 degrees outside here at Salt Lake City. And I know you're burning up there too, Pagan. So relax. Kick back, everyone. Get a nice, cool, refreshing drink and just chill with us today. How is it there, Pagan? How are you holding up? It's good. It's hot. It's humid. Um, I, I'm already missing the cooler days of just a couple of weeks ago, but I know it's only going to get hotter from here, and so I just need to suck it up and get prepared for it. Yeah. But I'm still excited because this summer my garden is just going nuts, y'all. I have uh, this week. I actually got so many herbs harvested in my garden that I couldn't use them all, so I made little cute, adorable uh, cleansing sticks. <gasps> And some have pineapple sage, some have regular sage, some have basil, some have lavender, some have all of the above. Uh, They're just kind of randomly mismatched together. And they smell so good. They are just the most wonderfully fragrant thing. I think probably I will forever be using pineapple sage in like cleansing sticks from now on. They just, it makes everything smell so amazing. Uh, they will be up on my shop, so if you guys would like to do that, they will be available. I only have like five of them right now, but as the summer goes on, I will have a whole bunch more, and they'll be up on the shop, and you guys can order them. So That's awesome! Hey, that's super cool, Peg, and I'm glad you called that out. Uh, we've been doing fun stuff over on the Twitch stream with some tarot reading lately. That's still a thing. Yes. If anyone wants to hit up some tarot reads, sorry to just shout some housekeeping stuff uh, right off the top. But I'm getting ready for the move this summer in July, so that's still on my mind. I just warn people there's going to be a lot of chaos and moving parts until that's all settled. And that's probably not going to be completely settled until, let's be honest, like August 1st is when it'll, you know, be legitimately in the house for over two weeks. So uh, until then, bear with me as internet is reestablished and I'll be on the road for four days. Um, But we're just having so much fun with stuff in the meantime. Uh, Again, want to get this out to people so you don't miss it. But the seances have been going super well. We did our second one. Mm -hmm. It was a lot more trickster energy this time. We did not get as clear results to our questions. So we're really going to try a whole different tactic going uh, forward. This is going to be the last, what is it, last actual seance or virtual ritual where we're, we're connecting through Estes Method that we're going to do in my apartment in Salt Lake City on the 26th. That one is going to be one where we try and contact another Kyle, meaning like a a version of me uh, out of time and space here, either in a different dimension, a different timeline, a different future or past. The uh, stuff I like to read from Russell Targ and all that says totally a doable thing. So why not with our weird group of amazing folks? I am totally down for it. I feel like... This year has been such a strange year, um, not just like socially and economically and spiritually. I feel like it's just even paranormally and psychically a strange year. So at this point, I'm kind of at that point where it's like, screw it. Let's try everything. Let's Let's just do it and see what happens. Can't hurt to try. 
come join us. I don't know what's going to happen. We may uh, get a warning from future Kyle. It's like, don't do this. Don't go there. Ah! But if that's the case, that would be so awesome. Yeah, I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be really, really fun. So everyone that's been following along for the actual, like, um, at, you're, you're participating in the exper- exper- experiments. My brain kept wanting to say experiences. So maybe that, uh, maybe I should have said that. If you want to participate in these experiences with us, really come out and do it. It's just on Gilded. You can do that. Gilded.gg forward slash RPN. Hang out with us. We've got such a cool group of people that are turning up time and time again. People with spirit boxes at their house. So really, we're trying to like work good natured people into this. I I hate rambling at the start of a podcast, but seriously, this show is becoming so interconnected with the audience and the listeners that if you're sitting there going, I want to hear about the Boggy Creek Monster, get in the Gilded Surfer and freaking talk to the boggy creep monster with us then like what are you <laughs> waiting for you're just holding yourself back so let go have fun with it um because we want to talk to people soon about how you can psychically connect with these uh, events and things we've talked hinsdale house not long ago and talking about we did not want to feed into the negativity of that place but things like the boggy creek monster in particular pagan this could be a fun thing for us to try and connect with just because of what it stands for so on that note, let's go in to what the heck the Boggy Creek Monster is. It's a continuation of our Summer Bigfoot series. So this whole account, uh, we've, we're taking from a small town monster film on Boggy Creek Monster. Really great. Seth Breedlove sets up beautiful plot line for this. And they do, as always, wonderful cinematography and interviews. They go through yes. the town of Folk, Arkansas, and discuss a case made famous because of the film pagan mm-hmm. this is kind of big do you want to set this up a little further for us so yeah let's talk a little bit about uh Falk, arkansas and Falk, arkansas is in southwest arkansas it's like right on the border of two states so like i think that they said that they literally are like a 15 minute drive in either direction yep. of two different states and so this town was actually founded by seven-day Adventists who were trying to find a place that was away from the gambling, away from the, you know, alcohol running of like the early 30s and 20s and all of that. And they wanted to find a place away from the devil. Blech. The devil. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I thought was really funny and really interesting. And then it becomes this nice, quiet little town. And they keep it quiet until they... It's interesting. They were seeing a lot of this creature in the woods, but nobody was really talking about it. And it didn't really get put on the map until about 1973 when the Boggy Creek, the legend of the Boggy Creek monster film actually put Falk on the map. So it's one of those things. And this is a very swampy, mountainous, forested area. It's very rural. Uh, If you kind of go there, there's a lot of rivers. There's a lot of swamps. It's... Not really a place that you're going to just randomly go hiking. At least I wouldn't because there's got to be snakes and icky creatures that I just don't do in the woods. So um, this is a perfect place for a monster to live. Very much. I, I absolutely heard that echoed what you said. It's a short distance, which ends up making it a short distance from major hubs and the, the borders uh, from those states, which made it an interesting place for illegal activity to take place. Um, mm-hmm. But like you say, it's 
so rural, so much wood, so thick and like not pleasant as you. That was a great way to say it. I didn't think about that earlier. It's not what I would consider hiking area. So when you're talking about something traipsing through, yeah, it's I don't. This is not the place I would want to be going through the woods. It, it looks spooky to me. It really does. It really does. Especially if you watch the film, which I highly recommend the film um, by Small Town Monsters. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do a beautiful job of showing the area, but it it looks like a place where I wouldn't want to go, A, because there's so much water and I get eaten alive by mosquitoes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Bingo. So I'm like, yeah, no, I'm sorry, Boggy Creek Monster, you're cool, but... I'm not going to come say hi. Agreed. There's too many mosquitoes. You could stay there. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, so many swamps. I mean, it is named Boggy Creek, right? Like literally yes, part of exactly. the name. So, um, but it's in- oh, go ahead. I, I was going to say there's some encounters here. I, there's something in our notes that just yes. slightly conflicts, and that's completely okay. Uh, maybe I misheard this. I there's there's stories in that area potentially going back as early as the 1800s or 1900s um of of this like sort of wild man activity this is becoming a a continuing thread for us as we learn about this we're we're hearing how the bigfoot legend kind of came in how it roamed across the country the actual story but that there was already this wild man tale that had existed separate of bigfoot and we, you, you would set up that this you know, got put on the map by the uh, the Legend of Boggy Creek film um, in in what is it 1973? Uh, yes, that that actually came out in theaters around there, tied to other Bigfoot films. I thought that was a little interesting takeaway. They said that it was actually kind of packaged together in some creature feature nights. So the idea yes, that this it all. Was meshes together and and again fits into a larger picture is is something i'm taking away right off the bat it is very interesting and very synchronistic in that way too that um the the gentleman who filmed this and i believe his name was charles b charles b pierce he decided to go to falk after hearing about these accounts of the ford family who it just they had a terrible encounter with this creature and there were a lot of other encounters prior to this like what we said this creature had been seen since you know late 1800s early 1900s and a lot of people were having interactions with it they were seeing it in the woods but it wasn't actually attacking anyone until the ford family got attacked and then the news stories started going out and then Mr. Pierce showed up and decided that he wanted to learn about it. He did and ended up making a film about it, which made the the story of this monster just skyrocket. Everybody wanted to come see him. Everybody wanted to go into the woods and hunt him down and bring out his head. And it, that was kind of disturbing when they were saying this. And I'm just like, why? He didn't do anything. Okay, yes, he potentially did scare the crap out of a kid and actually put him in the hospital. But beyond that, he didn't hurt anybody. So why would you want to go bring down his head? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, uh, you're right. There is definitely a prejudice in there of killing things that you don't know. And this, okay, this is an interesting case, especially because you did mention a kid was injured. Uh, So Mm -hmm. the, the, the encounters the Ford have multiple it's it's multiple i was very surprised that one of the things that i saw up on the screen from the small town monster film was uh uh, i believe it was the sister-in-law it was bobby ford's 
sister-in-law, because this was an article mm-hmm. about Bobby Ford. So Patricia Ford was the name, then 22, mentioned they were attacked three times in the five days that they lived there. So they had only yes. recently moved into that house and got attacked right off the bat. That's that's my understanding. And that seems just intense. It's interesting because, you know, the, the first encounter that the Ford family had was actually with Elizabeth Ford. She actually was awoken by this massive hairy hand reaching through the screen of her window oh. towards her. And when she looked up, she saw these two red eyes that she claimed looked like coals in a fire staring at her, (laughs) which is not like Bigfoot at all. And the red eyes to me sounds a lot more like Mothman. Um, But it's very interesting that she said this. And so she screams, freaks out naturally, of course, because who wouldn't? And the men of the house grab their shotguns and go out and try to meet this creature armed and scared off uh apparently they shot at it and it ran into the woods they called the police out the police looked at everything could not find anything so i guess the monster came back several times and they shot at it again and again and eventually at one point in time the men swore that they shot the creature and injured it to the point that it fell but it actually got up and continued on but there was no blood or hair ever recovered and The creature still came back and eventually attacked Bobby Ford, who was then taken to St. Michael's Hospital, and he was treated for scratch injuries and mild shock. So So there was a lot of stuff happening with the Fords. (laughs) Someone did get injured, which I, I under I get I do understand people's kind of protective nature. Uh, of, you know, if, if something happens like that. But I also really wish we didn't. We as humans jump so much to the extreme. Notice that Bobby wasn't hurt until the later encounter, but they were already shooting at, shooting at it after the first. So simply mm-hmm. by reaching its hands through the screen was enough to warrant killing it. And that that disturbs me. I don't know. I just I wish we weren't shooting yes. at all of our cryptids like that's please. This is why we can't have disclosure or communion with aliens or whatever the heck it is yeah because you shoot at it no wonder why aliens won't land get shot (sighs) yeah no it's terrible and then i feel really bad for the ford family because this was such a huge incident for a small town that it did draw out reporters it brought out the tex arcana gazette who well documented the ford's incidences in a series of articles But the really crappy thing is that with most paranormal encrypted encounters, especially for this time period, they faced a lot of ridicule and mockery from the public. And then, of course, it brought out all the cryptid hunters that turned their home into a tourist attraction. We see this in other cases like Conjuring House, and it eventually forced the Fords to pack up and leave. That's true. They were run out of their home. I don't know if they were run out of their home by the creature or by humans who wanted to know more about this creature. Either way, it was probably a very traumatic experience for them. And just why, why, why do we do this as humans to other people? Like, tell me your life story about what happened to you that was really traumatic. Please don't. I, I don't want to share my trauma with you or anyone else. I just want to live my life and not get stalked by a monster. That's that, all I want. 
brings to mind um, Tanya Derenberger sort of stuff from the Mothman, or I should say more specifically like Injured Cold, but our Mothman series where we talked about um, the people harassed the Derenberger so badly that they did have to move. And Tanya recounts that, you know, as a child, she was so scared, not of Injured Cold at all. She actually looked at Indrid Cold as the person protecting her from all the gun-toting weirdo humans that were trying to shoot at aliens out there outside their house. Like, she was literally afraid she was going to get shot. So, yeah. When you talk about people chasing others around, like, it's legitimately, yeah, an issue. A huge one. And this is also the same time period when we're seeing people that went after the, the Fords have left. They continued to show up with mobs trying to search for this creature for, I think, close to a decade and hunt it uh, down and tried to bring out its head. Uh, no, just no. <laughs> I feel bad that I don't like have I, I'm at the point where we're in the, the podcast series uh, where I'm like, I don't, just don't even know what to say anymore to hunting mobs, except that, like, I expect them now you know like i might be more scared in the future if we start finding cryptid cases where we hear they didn't do it like it's so rare I, i'm so sad that all these whatever it was that might have been trying to communicate was just so aggressively treated and this stuff exists we were talking about that last week if you didn't listen to the previous episode totally should you don't need it to hear this one but um we were talking about how there's that scientific research group that wants to kill a bigfoot to this day so that they can prove to science that they exist. Their logic is that science won't believe it until there's a body. But still, I just don't like that logic. I I would feel that way for any sort of marine animal, too. Like, I don't think we should kill the last of a whale species or something just to prove to science that it's there. I I don't know. What do you think? I, no, you're completely <laughs> correct. And they weren't the only family that was subject to ridicule. So after the film came out, there was another family that dealt with the same kind of stuff that there was another family that was attacked by the monster. They didn't have anybody to my knowledge that was physically hurt, but it did terrorize them. And that was the Circes. Yeah. And the Circes ended up, I believe also moving and they were featured in the film. So if you actually go watch the film, you can rent it on Amazon. Um, It looks pretty good to be fair. Like I, I did check it out, but I have not fully watched it, but it did look pretty good for you know a movie from the 1970s. But, you know, all the locals that they had featured in this film, Charles B. Pierce never paid them. Uh, and this film made $25 million ooh. for the 70s. Wow. That's a lot of money. A lot of money. And they were never paid, ever. Which is, in my opinion, like one of the most disgusting things that you could do. Because not only were they subject to ridicule to the point that they had to leave the town that was very peaceful film brought so many people to Falk that it literally turned the town into this chaotic scene. Obviously people who own businesses kind of capitalized on it, but at the same time, they weren't capitalizing in a good way. They were it was disturbing the peace. It was just terrible. People were traipsing through the woods, tearing stuff up because they wanted to go catch this monster who was just trying to live his best life out in the woods. Or their best life, I shouldn't, you know, assign a gender to something that I don't know if it has a gender. I would like to (laughs) announce to everyone that $25 million in 1972 is currently in 2021 worth $160 million. (laughs) 
Okay, that's just disgusting. <laughs> Even more so. That's what, like five times and change five, thereabouts? Almost six times. Yeah. Almost six times the amount that it would have been. That's oh, just... Yeah. That's a ton of money Gross. for a shoestring budget thing that didn't pay the people in freaking town. Like, what the F? That is so, that's very right. frustrating, too. That... I we're, we're a podcast where I mean someone's coming in here to be like I want the real history of Boggy Creek down to a T. I do apologize. We tend to take more routes to talk about the ethics. Maybe that should even be more in our marketing stuff in the future. But we love to talk about the ethics of investigating and the ethics in this case come to mind when it comes to working with people because that is a big part of ghost uh, investigating or cryptid investigating. You maybe going to a town like Pagan was saying, there's a lot of people that got attracted to this town. And just like we've talked about Flatwoods, Point Pleasant, all these other places, you got to go to them. Yeah. You got to go to them with respect. Um, Not, (laughs) not destroying it and all of that. And that's, I don't know. There's just, when you're going into film and work with residents, make sure you're taking good care because I think that the cryptid community, this, this paranormal community if we go around traipsing and destroying stuff, people just won't share information in the future. I mean, that's just how it works, right? Like, I'm sure that this this story actually has great characters in it already, like we talked about with the Fords and stuff, mm-hmm. where um, harassment, 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 harassment. So when these cases come out, I was going to say, when, when, when modern versions of these cases come out, we need to very much respect the people's privacy. I see a lot of people... Um, on Twitter that we're friends with mutually, you and I, who work with people energetically to try and, you know, whether it's cleanse a house or anything like that. And um, yeah, working with people is difficult. And and when you're in there for this case, filming, not paying people, but instead drawing attention and demolishing and like destroying, that's just, that's not it. That's not it, boss. It's not it. No, it's not. And by all means, we will have lots of the accounts listed in our vault notes for you guys to go and read. Um, they're all just straight, you know, taken out of the accounts that were recounted in the Small Town Monsters film. So if you don't really even want to read it, you can go watch the film, which we highly recommend highly. because we're your friends with Sex Free Love and all of the Small Town Monsters crews. We love them. Uh, we love their due diligence to all the research that they do as well because we we can trust it. And it's prime streaming. Do their- you don't have to rent this yes. one. This is um, the, uh, the 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 Seth Breed Love one is totally prime streamable. So get it. Really, no and I believe reason it's to wait. Called Boggy Creek Monster, Correct. which is great. Boggy Creek Monster. Yeah. Type in Boggy Creek is probably the first one that pops up. It was it was just honestly so good. Like all the small town monster stuff. I have not gotten around to the journey, the new Bigfoot one. I, I mentioned last uh, week in our recording that that would be. My future one, but I do apologize again, life life being weird. But back to our case at hand, though, to kind of focus in on on this creature. Um, the, a lot of the imagery, too, I, I should have talked about this off the start, but when, when we're talking the doc, they use a creature that has extremely shaggy-looking hair. Did you notice that, Pagan, when we were talking about just the diversities of Bigfoot? Um, not all of them. We talk about Bigfoot being hairy, but a lot of the times when you see a Bigfoot portrayed just by a cartoonist or an artist, they actually have more of like a trim, like crop kind of look often. This imagery mm-hmm. I like because this showed a very, very disheveled sort of creature that actually looked um, very appropriate to that zone, almost like it would have fur that was matted by the bog that it would be traversing through. It definitely did. And it had a lot of similar characteristics for me. Um, 
to swamp apes that you hear about yes. in Florida. So it's one of those things that, yes, I still believe that this is part of the Bigfoot family. Um, but I like that it's different in a lot of ways, too. And I would say that it kind of does, again, fall in line with the Bigfoot lore as well, because there's a lot of times that they would hear interesting mimics. They would hear babies crying, women screaming, stuff like that out in the woods. And these are modern day accounts. These are, you know, from 2006 to now. Wow. They would hear these things. So there's some really cool stuff that still lines up with what we know of Bigfoot with Boggy Creek Monster. And I really don't believe Boggy Creek Monster is out there trying to hurt anybody. I think that they are just trying to live their life and defend their territory. That's it. I definitely picked up on the commentary in this episode of this uh, documentary where they were interviewing someone that talked about the posturing of it, saying that they thought mm-hmm. it, they could tell it was trying to, like you said, defend territory. That it was just saying, do not follow me. And I think they said, like, the next breath, they're like, in just in three steps, it was like out of view, gone out of sight. Yes, that was definitely the case. And like, it, it did do the whole like bowed up, like, don't come near me, mm-hmm. don't do it, you will get hurt. And the person obviously never did go near it, thank goodness, because, well, we might have had a totally different story if right. that was the case. But they didn't do that. Like, they had this wave of fear that kind of froze them in place, which again is very accurate of Bigfoot lore. And they didn't step near it. And eventually when the monster realized that it was not going to have to defend itself or its territory, it acted off and it left. And in three steps, it was gone into the woods. Now, this is Arkansas. If anybody has ever been in the southern United States, you will know one thing about pretty much Kentucky South. The woods are thick, really thick. So three steps and you're not seeing something. That's pretty accurate, even for some humans, because those woods are so thick and so dense with so much, you know, ferns and grasses and trees and shrubs and everything else in between. Uh, if you get off the trail, yeah, you, there, there's probably something hiding in the, the brush down there. So watch yourselves. <laughs> um Yeah. Uh, so it, to me, when they're like, oh, three steps and this thing was gone. Yeah, as thick as those woods are, that didn't surprise me at all. And they were walking through this area. It looked like to be maybe October-ish, maybe. Or it, it's still kind of green because it's so south, but there wasn't as much green. Like, it looked like it was a comfortable place to, you know, be traipsing through the woods. Um, and it was still really thick. So I would say if that's the case, and this was, I think that when that story happened, I want to say it was springtime. Yeah, the first, the f- very first incident was in May, May 1st of 1971. Yeah. So that that's really interesting that, um, yeah. And so they, they were just, it was during a time when I would say the brush was really thick. And so that it would be easy to lose this creature, in my opinion. I agree. Uh, now, oh, can, if I can interject one thought um, off yes, of some sorry. notes that I took, too, is that this is unfortunately another case of dead dogs. And I noticed that was one of the first uh, notes I took was... That I think after the first encounter, it must have been when the Fords, yeah, because it's in the notes here. So the Fords place was off of Route 71. Uh, May 1st was the first attack, 1971. And I guess the dogs went in after it, but were killed. So that's always not great to hear. I I always wonder about the dog stories. I feel like this is me totally making this number up, but I feel like half the time we hear about dead dogs, I feel like it's um kind of a plot 
scare that's gotten amplified in folklore and just, you know, again, it's a myth. Uh, it adds a lot to it. And also, dogs aren't accountable like humans. So if we say, oh, it killed Bob, you could go and pull death records for Bob, but you can't do that for a dog. So I just want to throw it out there. No casting doubt on this exact case, but just in general, I, I, I always frown and do a big sad, mainly because I don't want to believe the paranormals out there killing animals is the big one. But the other thing, too, yeah. that when it comes to the, the dog story where I do have to cast a little bit of doubt Please. as well, this apparently is also a place that has um, cougars like mountain lions. Uh, it also has bears and it has a lot of poisonous snakes. We don't know how the dogs died. We just were apparently True told that. that they died. And so it's one of those things of, did they actually come across this creature? Did the creature actually do it? Or did they come across something else and got too close? Now, the problem with dogs, too, is these are also hunting dogs. They're made to go into the woods. They're trained to go into the woods and go after something. But if they come across something that they think they can take it, when reality is they can't, one good swipe from a bear and they're good. They're dead. Yeah. And they don't even realize what happened. Um, and it might have just literally been one of those things that they came across a bear, bear swiped, bear freaked out, bear ran. It happens. Anybody who's ever seen bears, bears do that. They will literally swipe at something, try to defend their territory, realizing the threat is gone and leave before another threat shows up. Uh, other bears will stick around like grizzlies and stuff like that, but we don't have grizzlies as far south. We have like black bears and stuff like that. So, but yeah, they'll, they'll swipe at you and run, but usually they're pretty scared of stuff like that. Wow. Uh, so yeah. I don't know. I don't, when it comes to the dogs, I, I halfway believe that if the dogs did die going against this creature, the creature was defending its territory and the dog might have tried to attack it. Very possible. And it defended itself. And truth be told, if some random dog came and tried to attack me, I would defend myself too. I would feel terrible after hurting the dog, but it's me versus the dog. So that's true too. Very, very true. Uh, What else we got to talk about with this one? You want to hit up another case or talk about anything in specific? I think since we're talking about the dogs, I think Mm -hmm. a really interesting one was Smokey Crabtree's son, Lynn, had an encounter in actually 1965. Uh, He thought that his dog actually got hung up in barbed wire fence and was, you know, screaming and yelling. And, of course, you know how dogs are when they get scared and hurt. And he went to look and he saw the creature and the creature was making the noise of a dog. It was mimicking the sound. Ooh. And... He said that the way the creature was standing, he said it looked like the arms were longer than the legs. Um, And the creature moved closer to him, smelling him like an animal, but never too close to actually touch him. Uh, This boy, Lynn, tried to shoot it, even though he only had like a BB gun, like a a small gun, like a twenty-two, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, Tried to shoot it in the eyes, and the creature... It didn't seem to really phase the creature, but the creature did chase him through the woods back towards his house, but stopped at the tree line. And Hmm. Smokey Crabtree, his dad, never came across this creature, but he wrote three books about other people's encounters with it and actually really wanted to see it and come across it, but he never did. And he lived in the area his whole life. Feels like the people that always want to see it the most are the ones that never (laughs) get the chance. Wow. That's just... The, the amount of encounters with this creature is surprising mm-hmm. to me. It feels like a lot of Bigfoot encounters, just at large, to use that term, 
I feel like many of them are decentralized. And I could be totally wrong. I do apologize. I'm not the biggest Bigfoot aficionado. Someone out there has a map and they've got like all the pins on it. And they're like, you're wrong, Kyle. They all happen here. But it really, to me, feels like the Bigfoot case gets spread out so much and that it's actually somewhat difficult to come upon like a recurring incident of it in the area. Uh, they tend to be like long, long, long distances between those encounters. This one to me feels extremely hyper localized and like it was hyper active there for a while. The fact that it came back to that one house three times the first time with the Fords, that on its own still interests me a ton. Three times. Yes. And it's interesting that it continued to do that. I wonder if it just was too close to its territory because like these houses majority of them are all pretty much like up against the wood lines. Yep. Like they, they're up against ponds and farms and stuff like that. And these creatures will go across roads. They'll go across farms. They don't care. Like they will just wander. But it's interesting that most of these cases happen. I want to say within like a 20 mile radius, which sounds like, Oh, a 20 mile radius is a lot. When you really think about it, it's not Mm-mm. for something that has, you know, a five foot foot span. 20 miles wandering space is not a lot. And it's interesting how it continues that these just didn't stop in the seventies that continued all the way to today. And people are still seeing them crossing roads and coming out of the uh, woods and all that. And the interesting thing is some of the witnesses have even seen smaller ones like juveniles. Ooh. So whatever this creature is, it has family members and it's continuing to have a population. So I don't mm. think it's a singular creature. I think it's multiples as we've seen with majority of Bigfoot cases that there are multiples out there. And I don't know if it, it's one of those creatures like we were talking about last week where Bigfoot can go through portals and is possibly Fay. I don't know about the Boggy Creek one. Maybe it is, but I do think that they live in such a, rural area that they're kind of protected and that they have their own habitat and i think it should be respected thank goodness that the town does that as well too i think that's really great um and and i think there's something to the idea of mystery um there's there's a little bit i want to talk just a smidge here as as we're kind of at the stage of sort of wrapping this case up for today but Talking about our friends over the the Newkirks and their paranormal museum, I mean, we're always talking about them just because they're on such cutting-edge stuff. And just last night, they were doing an investigation. Uh, I I really encourage you to become members and watch this yourself. Again, we'll keep it as spoiler-free as I can. But they were doing an investigation where we channeled our energy collectively as a thousand-plus member community to focus on making a UFO appear. And I've just got to say that they had some of the most uh, intense sort of things, a very good case of potentially missing time, which goes back to the keel sort of stuff. Um, zones of fear sort of thing where, where you're in a certain area, you're just very fearful. You kind of mentioned to something like something to that effect earlier of someone having that zone of fear, and not going further. We hear that with the Mothman case as well. And so when the Newkirks were out there trying some different communication methods, they heard and saw lights. They heard something in the woods and saw lights going around with it seeming like it was like some sort of big creature out there. So I don't know. I, I Bigfoot, the idea of Bigfoot, 
as a whole, the community of big feats, Sasquatch, whatever we want to call them. I am very fascinated in what they might be. And if there is interconnectivity with the, the localized sightings versus the others. And I wonder again, how much our brains, our, our, our want to experience mystery and liminal zones, things in between, like you said, living on the forest edge, how much does that inspire sort of portals to open? Um, we don't map the forests as much, you know, that's that's an unknown space. So it allows for other things to exist, things we can't account for because we haven't counted it. My brain goes along that line these days, something about like, you know, when we map something and we get the coordinates down and you know, we take all these super surveys and all of our history books and all this, I kind of wonder what that does to our paranormal space where uh Maybe energetically, does that limit sort of the things that can appear and, and happen? And I don't know, but it's something I like to unpack. I, I don't know what I, I think about that. I, I think uh, hmm, that's an interesting question. That That's a question I'm going to have to give some thought to. But yeah. the first aspect of my brain that comes to mind is maybe by mapping it, we're creating space. A space for maybe something to come to, maybe communication, maybe kind of building a bridge between a physical place, a spiritual place, a liminal space and everything in between. So maybe a map is literally just a map and it's a place to guide you to the next space. But the other aspect of it is too, as we're kind of seeing with these Bigfoot cases and the parts that make me really sad in some ways is the fact that I don't know what these guys are. I don't know if they're alien. I don't know if they're fey. I don't know if they're physical but whatever, I feel like we're, despite us trying to understand, I feel like there's a big part of people out there that are not trying to understand. And instead, they're trying to take a space away from them. And if they are aliens and they came here because they didn't have anywhere else to go and we're trying to take their space away, that that's really sad in a lot of ways. But in other ways, I don't know. Maybe they're coming here from other dimensions and they just really like Earth, but they know that humans are terrified of everything that moves and they try to shoot it so they don't know how to talk to us. So I don't know. I really don't know what to think about it, but I, I know that it is an exciting frontier. Um, and I wish Big Feet, Bigfoot, whatever, you, the plural of them is called, um, I, I wish them some peace and realize that me personally, I'm not out to hurt them. I'm just out to say hi. That's all. I agree. And I think to that end, one of our next experiments, probably once uh, the, the move is complete or if we get another seance going in July before then, maybe we could try and psychically reach out and see if we can touch <laughs> the mind of a big feetsies or something like that. <laughs> Uh, I would be very interested in seeing what we could kind of glean or gather what sort of responses might come from that. It's something that a lot of people will be able to channel their energy around. So if you're interested in that, get in the Gilded server, gilded.gg forward slash RPN. That is where we do our, do our things. I mean, even just today, Pagan's going to do reward and protection workshop pretty soon. That's why we're going to get this episode ready to wrap up and out on its way uh for the folks that are members up on the website you guys have just gotten a ton of bonus content loaded up there so please enjoy go check that out if you aren't a member who it is never uh never been a better time 
We have a free trial going on the website. So if you want to become a contributor level, I think that's where all the fun stuff really, really, really kicks off. That level's where we open a lot of uh, things up to people for the um, the psychical group to come together. Uh, it, it's so amazing. Mm-hmm. It, you get access to RPN bonus feeds, so you can get all kinds of our, our just BSing off air. Um, there is talks of us adding in what we're thinking about calling Free Talk Friday. And in fact, we went into detail, or at least some more detail, over on the podcast. That's something we're mulling around. Again, post-move. We'll see how things go and what time works out to be. But um, the membership thing, we're doing game servers. We got people uh, who are helping us with that. We've been playing games together over on Twitch. So if you want to join us, I'm over at twitch.tv forward slash Kyle Paranormal. Pegan, I haven't asked. Have you streamed lately or have you stepped back from the, the I streaming? Not, I, I stepped back from streaming because totally. I, I just had way too much on my plate. Um, I do stream, but I have no schedule. So uh, I'll stream. I'll stream when I stream, I guess. (laughs) That's right. And I mean, we have Pagan's link tree and all that stuff linked. So please go and subscribe to Pagan's as well. Because I mean, you're not, you you, you know, you come back and forth with it. So get subscribed in Mm -hmm. advance just in case. Uh, And you've been doing super, super busy, super awesome stuff over on Pagan's Witchy Corner podcast. Um, I did. Was the last one the interview with Katie Webb? Tell us about it. It was. It was so much fun to talk to her because, so if, for those of you who listen to Hinsdale, our Hensdale episode, we actually talked briefly about Hensdale and her experiences with Hensdale. So if that was something that you really enjoyed, head over to Pagan's Witchy Corner, listen to the interview. We talk about it. It was cool. We also talked about altars. We talked about mermaids and nagas and divine communication, mental health and witchcraft. It was such an amazing hour. It was literally one of those things that if you listen to Pagan's Witchy Corner, you know that the episodes range from anywhere between 15 minutes to about half an hour. This was a full hour because I couldn't contain Katie in <laughs> half an hour. I There's love it. no way. <laughs> She's too wonderful. She It was an amazing episode. We had so much fun. She is definitely going to be back. Um, so future stuff that we're in the kind of talks with, I'm talking with um, Jason Manike, uh, Mankey from... Uh, Oh, what's his book's title? I have it right next to me. It is The Horned God of Witches. His book just came out. I have not even gotten into it yet, but he and I were talking over on Instagram. He's probably going to come on the show once (gasps) I finish his book to talk about it. So that's going to be cool. I'm going to ask Laura to come by. So those of you who love Laura Tempted Zakroff, because I'm in love with her new book, y'all. Oh my God. I haven't even finished it, but so good. Um... We're going to talk about it then. She's probably going to come back to the show as well. And I've got some other really cool individuals that are going to talk about paranormal and witchcraft coming up later this month. Uh, that's going to air the first week of July. Ooh. So that's going to be cool, uh, fellow podcasters. So we've got a lot of cool stuff happening. And uh, this week we're going to be talking about Midsummer Ways to Honor the Sun and ways I don't celebrate Midsummer because I don't like summer and why that's perfectly okay. That's a mood. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I, I am so excited. Pa- everyone, get subscribed. Pagan's Witchy Corner. These shows go f- so well together. They flow together perfectly because it's all the same sort of vibe. So if you like one, you're going to like the other. I wanted to do some shout-outs here. You might remember we got our troll bombs over on iTunes the one day. I will say we got another one-star review, and this is one to be proud of, too, because this just shows that Nazis don't like us. They called all of our views stupid and liberal and that we hate Christianity. <laughs> we, we tell people to take deadly 
deadly shots that will kill them. And they also shouted out their political party at the end as if they were completely committed to a cult of personality. But anyway, I'm very proud of that one star review. Moving on, um, I want to just say amazing this is this is where it really gets good because you guys have helped balance it out. We really we thrive on that. Like we got those bad ones, but you guys have been just crushing it on the flip side. So I make a joke at that person's expense. But uh, bow ties and coffee. You, this one, like I think almost brought a tear to my eye when I got it. It says amazing five star review. I found this podcast a couple months ago through looking for more interviews on Michelle Bell and Jay. And now I'm so happy I came across Chaos and Shadow. Katie Webb is amazing. The new Kirks are golden. All the investigations I've listened to so far are uh, top notch. And she has all kinds of cool emojis going on there. Peg and Kyle, if you read this, know that I love your work. And as a member of the international community, you're doing great things for keeping us in the loop and feeling connected to all the weirdness. I love you guys. (gasps) Bow ties and coffee. Ties and coffee are gonna make me cry. Seriously. Lord, thank you. Oh my gosh. And I mean, honestly, you guys actually kicked us up a, a level because we were our, our our we our stars were going down. So you guys got us up to 4.6 over there now. Thank you for washing off the 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 Nazi sort of gross people. Um another one here I just want to call out. This is A81888 wrote on Friday. Five stars. This podcast is a great listen. They interview so many of the best creators in the paranormal community, especially the people we really want to hear from. The episodes are fun and will make you laugh while also giving some wonderful insight to the world around us. Definitely a favorite on my subscribe list. Hey, eight. That is just seriously top notch. You guys know how to flatter. I'll tell you that much. As I Guys, blush. You get, you're like bringing tears to my eyes. Like I'm getting misty eyed over here. We love you all too. Thank you so much for reviewing us. And thank you so yes. much for loving our show. Because, you know, obviously we're very passionate about it. But at the same time, it's one of those things that we wouldn't keep doing this without all of you. Yeah. You guys help make this show as much as we do. So thank Damn you right. for listening. Thank you for reviewing. And we love you guys. You guys are awesome. I so agree. Totally echo that. If you want to leave your own review, um, we pull these ones from iTunes, or at least that's where we had our troll situation. So, hey, if you haven't left a review yet, the text ones, even if you just throw probably, you throw some words in there and like an emoji, that way I can read it out. Um, if you want to stay super anonymous, you can drop the just the five stars without any sort of text. I will say, though, the text help push those gross ones further and to oblivion so just know it is a little extra mile even if you just do like little alien face and a little ufo emoji i think that would cut it i can read that out um so thank you thank you thank you to those listeners huge thank you to people that are becoming members on the site again you're you're literally paying the bills and getting this business up and running so we can do this sustainably grow what we're doing that is the goal uh, as we move into the rest of 2021 obviously the house move coming up that's going to be amazing if you want to become a house restoration or preservationist member Everyone that wants to become a member, revelatornetwork.com forward slash subscribe. And that's that's what I think we should leave them with this week, Pagan. What do you say? Head out the door. I think that's totally great. And thank you guys so much for the reviews. Uh, thank you for sticking with us for the entire 60 episodes that we've done. Oh, 60. I couldn't even believe that number. Yeah, I, I saw it the today with Kyle, and I couldn't even believe that we've already done 60 episodes. It just kind of blew my mind. Oh my uh, we've got our anniversary coming up next month, so stay tuned for some cool stuff with that. And yeah, 
I, Louis' I'm birthday next it. month, too. That's true. Hey, there's we cool... forgot about the cute boy's birthday. Yeah, this will be my last is to say there are Louis Pride stickers up on the, the store, revelatornetwork.com forward, sh- forward slash shop. Shop. Uh, and that one has the pride sticker. It's got uh, the, the tarot reads. It's got the Ouija coin flips. RevelatorNetwork.com forward slash shop has it all. So, yeah, rock on. We're going to have a fun month next month. Pagan cannot wait. To everyone out there listening, please have a safe and healthy summer. Keep tuning in here. We will be back next week. Oh, I think next week we might have an interview for you guys, or that'll be the following. But hold on to your butts. Either way, it's going to be great. Bye-bye. It'll be awesome. Bye, everybody.